0: I used to marvel at my dad's sense of direction. Everywhere we went, he seemed to know exactly where we were and how to get anywhere we wanted to go. This wasn't just while we were at home in Salinas. When we were on road trips in Yosemite, San Francisco, San Luis Obispo, Palm Springs, even when we went to go visit my grandparents in Detroit, everywhere we went, my dad seemed to have an internal compass. This is long before GPS. It was a time when you carried around maps. Remember those maps? The glove box would be stashed with like local maps folded up, hopefully, if not crammed in there. Uh, behind the front, uh, behind the front seats, in that kind of space where uh, rental cars keep the ice scrapers for those times when you never use them. Um, there, there was this thing that we often kept in there called a road atlas. It had regional or even national thoroughfares. There was a lot of information in those maps. And occasionally, my dad would have my brother and I pull out a map, and he would quiz us on how to get from one place to another. <laughs> it seemed impossible that my dad had memorized every map, but his knowledge surpassed every map we would bring out. It was unbelievable. He, references, he referenced roads that did not appear on those squiggling, beautiful earth tones of <laughs> those maps. Somehow he just knew. Even apart from maps, apart from places where maps made sense, my dad always knew the cardinal directions. You could spin him around blindfolded and blindfolded and ask him where North was, and he would always get it right i 'm grateful that some of that has rubbed off on my brother and me it 's been helpful, especially when traveling in foreign countries it's been helpful when stuck deep in the Alaskan wilderness with a, with nothing but a topographical map or when other families who will remain unmentioned uh, perhaps lack that particular skill. Um, sense of direction is important to me and it's important to my family. And it's fun to see my kids begin to understand up and down, outside, inside, left and right. Um, I remember years ago, someone telling me about directions in space. In space, there is no left are right. There is no up and down. In 2D motion, th- these things make sense, right? Even, even in fixed areas where you have reference points, it makes sense. But in space, all direction is relative to other points. Apart from relationship, there is no direction. The scope of the ever-expanding universe, location, is defined by relationship. Such is the context into which we step today, a world in which we are defined by relationship rather than some independent or location or state. This Sunday, the church commemorates Jesus' ascension, typically the day of ascension, as I mentioned earlier, is a Thursday, the 40th day after Easter Sunday. Because Easter is always a Sunday, Ascension is always a Thursday, there you go. Back in the day, Ascension was a big holiday, it was a feast day, but taking off a random Thursday in late May or early June wasn't exactly possible for post-industrial folks like us. So many countries began to commemorate, commemorate it on the following Sunday, which is what we're doing here. In popular imagination, Jesus' ascension is some sort of like slow-motion float. Like he's caught up in a tractor beam, or you know, part, uh, it's like part alien abduction, part balloon escape. <laughs> My, uh, last fall, we took our, our sons, I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, um, uh, we took them off to Carpinteria for the annual Avocado Festival. And at one booth, they were giving away balloons. There's this beautiful yellow balloon right there. My son, my then two year old son Henry, really wanted it, and they were they gave it to him, and it was a big present. He was so excited to reach out and grab it. And uh, I, you know, I, I saw where this could go, <laughs> so I tied it to his wrist. But being a two year old, he wasn't having that. So I uh, I tied it to his little backpack that he had with him. And uh, it was nice, because I could identify him when when they broke off from us in the crowd. It was great. Um, But of course, we stopped for lunch, and he wanted to hold it. And despite my better judgment, my love for my son won out, and I (laughs) gave him the balloon. And within 30 seconds, it was flying away. (laughs) We watched it for a good three minutes, you know, just like, seven, I mean, two-year-old, right? Transfix for for two minutes, or three minutes watching this thing fly, 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 fly away. You could see the yellow dot way off in the distance flying up there. And he cried the whole time watching, right? But beyond his sadness, Henry was confused. Where did it go? Why did it have to go? He still asks about that balloon. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine the disciples felt very similar. We're still asking this question. Where did Jesus go? What did, it, what did it mean that he ascended? I wasn't there, so I don't know the details. But I will say the same thing these messengers say to the disciples, these people dressed in white next to them, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? If you want to understand what happened to Jesus, if you want to live into the kingdom of God, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? We know what Jesus taught. The kingdom of God is among us. The kingdom of God has come near So often we think of God as being above. We think of Jesus as going up. But today we transition from Easter, as we transition from Easter to Pentecost, we remember that God is not up and we are not down. Rather, God is working in and through us all. Another way of describing this action of Jesus, the thing we commemorate—the completion of the Easter season—is that Jesus stepped into the mystic, into the mystic, as Van Morrison sang it. He stepped fully into the eternal, like our, our ideas of up and down. Jesus's ascension, our depictions of. Eternity can be misleading. We think of it as just a long, continuous, linear time. But that is not how Jesus describes eternity. He describes the kingdom of heaven as being like a mustard seed. What? What does that mean for our concept of space time? Does it change? Does it grow? Does it expand? Today, Jesus gives us yet another mind-blowing definition of eternal life. Did you catch it? He says, this is eternal life that they may know you. This is eternal life knowing God. Relationship. It's not a fixed location. It's not simply left or right, up or down. It's being in connection. Like my dad with the maps, it's not rote memorization. It's not having known God. It's In knowing God, or as John repeatedly says in the gospel, abiding in God. John 14, abiding in God, like we read last week, means keeping Jesus' commandments, loving one another, abiding in God. Why do you stand looking up, looking elsewhere? The kingdom of God is here. It's here in shared meals at Cafe Picasso, in the brownies you made for your neighbor, in the work you do in the prisons, when you wash the dishes for your spouse, when you study the history of racism in our country, when you get to know your neighbors so that you can love them. In First John, the author describes the importance of this beloved community walking as Jesus walked. Knowing God is walking as Jesus walked. Jesus lived his life, and now it's your turn. Like we'll sing in a little bit. Come and go with me to that land. I like this bit in Acts, this early portion in Acts. The apostles have just had this crazy thing happen to them. And what do they do? Once they can get their act together, once they can start walking, they go to be together. They live with one another, spend time with one another. They begin developing and devoting themselves to community. This weekend, we as a nation take a break. A little Sabbath. For many, that means a road trip. Apparently, 34,800,000 people will travel for Memorial Day weekend. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. I was with a few... A few thousand of them as I was driving home from, from a, a short break <laughs> last night. Um, for most, this weekend signals a change in the season, a beginning of summer. It's also a time when we pause from our, the pace of our everyday rush and remember those who died in the arms, armed forces. Memorial Day. I admit, as a pastor, as a man of faith, as someone whose teacher was killed at the hands of an occupying army, I'm conflicted over Memorial Day. It's hard for me not to think of the spouses and children who were left without a partner or parent, often because of the whims of a politician who may or may not be sane. Do we know? <laughs> At the same time, I had a grandfather who served in the South Pacific in World War II and another who served as a pilot in Europe, that same war. This is crazy, I did not know this. So, in the entire history of armed conflict in the United States, um, armed service people, 1,100,000 armed service people have passed away in conflicts. Of that 1,100,000, 405,000 Thousand of them were in World War II. At this time, I honor the service and action of those who who died. At its best, Memorial Day commemorates lives that were sacrificed for others, the giving of oneself for something greater than the individual. Here, now, at the beginning of the Easter season, oh, at the end of the Easter season, as we are remembering the sacrifice of others for the sake of the whole, we remember that giving transforms us. Living for something beyond us brings us life. It's not the life we know, it's not the life of comfort, it's not the life we can capture in language, but it is life transformed, resurrected, life defined by relationship. There's no left nor right, up nor down, no isolation nor independence. There's only life with, for, and in. Amen.